When you enrich the lives of your employees through purpose-powered leadership, they'll grow your business for you. Welcome to the Higher Purpose Podcast, where you'll discover how to champion a culture of courage and love. Stop dealing with symptoms and get to the root of the problems in your business. This is the Higher Purpose Podcast with your host, Kevin Monroe. Hey, it's Kevin Monroe, and I want to welcome you to this episode, number 61 of the Higher Purpose Podcast. Hey, if you've been listening lately, you know I'm talking a lot about gratitude, so I want to ground this episode in gratitude. I I want to start by expressing gratitude, and what I'm grateful for in this moment is you. I am incredibly grateful for every time you allow me the privilege of engaging with you in a conversation. Thanks for listening. I'm really enjoying lots of one-on-one interaction with several of you, and that's really fun. Today's another opportunity for me just to sit down with you and have a one-on-one. And what I want to talk about today, what I want to share really, are these seven shifts. Now, It may end up being more than seven. I've got more on the list, but I think I'm going to try to limit it to seven. These are shifts. You may see them as subtle or they may be significant. So the size doesn't matter in the effort that it takes. It's the results. And the results of these shifts, I believe, whether it's just one of the shifts you make or whether you combine several of the shifts, I believe the results can be seismic in your life. They can just redirect and change the course that you're heading. They may not all apply to you, so I want to invite you to listen and assess which ones apply and then figure out what it takes for you to make the shift or shifts that you want and need most to make now. So some of this is kind of rooted in last week's conversation. There were several things in my conversation with Nick Tasler, episode 60, that stimulated thoughts that have germinated in my mind since that conversation. One of those is that idea that comes from Dr. Viktor Frankl, if you're familiar with Man's Search for Meaning. If you've not read that book, it's a book I highly recommend. One of my most favorite books. I read it once a year. Frankel talked about tragic optimism, this belief that life's difficult. There are hard things in life that you and I face, but in spite of those, we have this unwavering belief that it's going to work out for our good, for the best. Another reason that draws me or inspires me to have this conversation with you today is that commitment that I made in the very first episode of the Higher Purpose Podcast to keep it real. So I'm going to bookend this list with two shifts that are incredibly relevant for me. So let's jump in and let's see where we go with these. The first shift that I want to talk about is the shift of your default setting. How is it that you naturally respond to opportunities when they come your way? When something finds you, whether that is, hey, there's a new job opportunity in your company or in another company, we think you'd be an ideal candidate to apply for that job. Or there's someone that says you ought to write a blog, you ought to write a book. I was talking with a friend earlier today. Someone had said you ought to start a podcast. He goes, who, me? You know, that kind of belief, whatever it is, that opportunity that comes your way, 
what is your default response to those unbelievable opportunities or kind of one of a kind opportunities? And it's interesting. Just last week, I was in a conversation, and because I did not have time to request their permission, I'll just use an initial J. Let's call it J. I was talking to a lady named J, listener to the podcast. We were doing one of these clarity conversations, and she relayed this question to me. And as she said it, it just echoed in my mind. It's the same process I went through, oh, sometime five or six years ago. This incredible opportunity had found Jay. And her normal default response had been, who am I? Now, I want to ask, can you relate to that? You know, whether it's one of those job opportunities or somebody invites you to speak at an event, to lead a retreat, whatever it is, it's somebody seeing you capable of something, something, and it may be something deep inside you that is a hope, a desire, a dream, but you've not yet given voice to it. And when that, you know, this amazing opportunity finds you, that default response, that pre-programmed response is, who am I? And it discourages you from stepping up and stepping out into the opportunity. So you just let it pass or you Talk yourself out of it because of that default response. Who am I? Well, I think it's somewhere between five and six years ago. I'd have to go back in notes to really find the exact time. But I was going through some work, some programs, books, working as part of a uh, group program. And I remember reading the book, Immunity to Change, by Lisa Leahy and Bob Keegan, Harvard folks. An amazing book, Immunity to Change. And somewhere in that, along with the other things that were going on in my life, I adopted a new question. When those opportunities come along, rather than saying, who am I? I have reprogrammed my mind and it still takes work for my default question to become, why not me? So when I was talking to Jay the other day, it was this opportunity and, you know, her immediate response was, I don't have the qualifications. Other people are far more qualified. This was in an academic background. You know, they're published. They've written journals. They're in dozens of journals. They've written books. Whatever that is in your sphere, you know what it is. But you begin disqualifying yourself. Anytime you say, who am I? Who am I? You're disqualifying yourself change it, flip it. Why not me? That is a shift you can begin to make. For me, it's changed so many things. Maybe it's an overstatement to say it's changed everything, but it's changed a lot of things in dramatic ways. Well, what does it take to go from a who am I to a why not me response? Changing that is your default. Well, for me, it took some rewiring of my brain. It just took you know, work to recognize, one, I'm worthy of the opportunity. Two, I'm prepared for the opportunity. If you are seeing the opportunity, if I am seeing the opportunity, that says you have some degree of readiness for it. So why not you? Why not me? Create visual reminders. For the longest time, I just had those three words typed out on just a plain eight and a half by 11 sheet of paper taped to the side of my desk where I would see it anytime I was on the telephone or in a web meeting, you know, and that opportunity comes up. I just look up and there. Why not me? It was that reminder. Why not me? 
Now, maybe this is an area of struggle for you. Maybe it's not. If it's an area of struggle, you might even need to recruit help. And that would be inviting some of your friends, those closest to you that say, hey, if you hear me say or you see me slip back into that who am I mentality or that response or that way of thinking, help me snap out of it. And that's up to you to say how that happens, you know, whether it's somebody getting your face or whether it's somebody just be gracious with a reminder. So that first shift is changing your default setting for how you respond to opportunities. The second shift I want to talk about is somewhat related to that, but it is adopt, cultivate or develop, whatever it takes for you, adopt, cultivate or develop a growth mindset if you don't have one already. Now, if you're wondering what mindsets are, there's this great book by Carol Dweck, D-W-E-C-K, Mindsets. Carol defines mindsets as beliefs. They're beliefs about yourself, your most basic abilities and qualities. It's how you think about your intelligence, your talents, your personality, and whether or not you think those are fixed and it was arranged all at birth or before you were born and the cards were dealt and whether or not you've, you know, you won a a winning hand, were given a winning hand, or you just have a dud. So the belief of whether or not you can cultivate, increase, and grow those things like personality, intelligence, and talents, that determines whether or not you have a fixed or a growth mindset. So in a fixed mindset, people believe their basic qualities, intelligence, talent, abilities, those others, that it's a finite amount. It cannot change. And so folks in that mindset, they have limiting beliefs. And they're always spending their time explaining why things can't happen, why it didn't work out, why life is unfair. Folks with a growth mindset, however, they believe that through hard work, through dedication, through discipline, through effort, these things can change. And in the world of neuroscience, the studies of the brain using functional magnetic resonance imaging They actually see how the brain grows, how intelligence is not fixed. It can change. A book I'd recommend on this, if you're interested, is The Shallows by Nicholas Carr. It was one of the first times I really began to understand the neuroplasticity of the brain, that the brain can change and grow. So that's the growth mindset. Now, here's what I would say. How do you apply this? You look and you see, and you begin to audit yourself. Do you hear yourself expressing more limiting beliefs? You know, all of the reasons and excuses why you can't accomplish something rather than the reasons you can or opening yourself up to the opportunities for you can. Then you begin to rewrite those limiting beliefs and replace those with liberating beliefs. So you understand yourself. The other thing I would say there is adopt daily practices that cultivate your mind. Surround yourself with positive people. Join a mastermind. Develop mindset reminders. I was in a conversation with someone earlier today, and you've probably heard me talk about these before, but I actually paused and counted how many mindset reminders go off on my phone on a daily basis. And you may think I'm extreme. For me, it's what works. But there are actually 36 reminders that go off starting at 4.59 a.m. 
every day, seven days a week. These are just short things. I just look down and I see them. They don't make a sound. They don't interrupt, but they're just there. And it puts me back into the state of mind, the growth mindset that I know I need to be in to accomplish what I want to accomplish in life and to show up how I want to show up in the world and to the world. So that's the second one. The first shift is your default setting. Second shift, adopt, cultivate, or develop a growth mindset. The third shift Wow. (laughs) I hope I don't step on too many toes here, but this is an important shift. And hopefully you've already made this shift, but moving from an egocentric view of the world to an others centered view of the world. Well, what do I mean? Now, I'm not talking about egotistic. It may be egotistical of you, but this egocentric view of the world is that you are at the center of the world and you interpret all of the events that go on around you through the lens of how they impact and affect you first and foremost. I'm reminded of the opening words of the best-selling book on purpose ever written, which is The Purpose Driven Life by Rick Warren. And the opening words to that book are, it's not about you. So stop seeing yourself in the center of the world and begin to see it as an other-centered world. Now, a couple of resources that if you're a reader like I am, two books that I'd recommend. One, they go together by the Arbinger Institute. The first one is a novel, Leadership and Self-Deception, Getting Out of the Box. And the second one that accompanies that is The Outward Mindset, Seeing Beyond Ourselves. So these are great books to help you begin to understand whether you see the world operating around you as the center of the universe or whether you've developed the emotional intelligence and the capacity to see the world as an other-centered world. So a couple of tips besides the book. Adopt a service mentality. Perform acts of selfless service on a regular basis. Maybe this means volunteering somewhere. If you own your own business, if you lead a department, whatever that means, it's finding ways that you dedicate X percent of your time or your profits to give to others and formalize the process for it so that you can document it and you just don't end up giving it all away, but you have a process where where you give 10% of your time or your resources to others. You invest regularly in nonprofit organizations in your community. Unless you misunderstand me, what I'm talking about is adopting a stance of humility. And I love the way C.S. Lewis described being humble or humility. Catch this. Humility is not thinking less of yourself. It's simply thinking of yourself less often than you think of others. So one of the best ways, if you find yourself in this egocentric world, is to do something for someone else who has no ability to repay you. Whether that is give of your time, give of your talent, give of your treasure, find a way. Move from an egocentric world to an other-centered world. So shift four, and this kind of goes back and helps you build on shift two if you're wanting to adopt daily practices, I would encourage you to find a way to focus on first things first. Now, what in the world does that even mean, Kevin? Some of you might be thinking. Let me talk about this. First off, it requires you knowing what's most important to you in your life and 
developing the mindset or the attitude or the commitment that you are never going to sacrifice what you want most in life or what is most important in your life for what you want now in life. It gives you the ability to delay gratification. So I would encourage you to document your values. Set them in rank order priority because it really is important to Rank order your values. What's most important? What's second most important? Third, fourth? And I really encourage you to keep your list to three or four, maybe five values. If you can't get it down to three or four, you can go to five. But you've got to have them ranked ordered. You've got to know what matters most. And if you really understand this, and if you go back and do a word study of the word priority, you would understand in the original there's only one priority. For some time in the early 1900s, I believe that we made priorities plural and said you could have multiple, but know what's most important. So what does this mean? Now, focusing on first things first, once you know what your values are, develop routines that allow you to focus on what's most important. I believe you should have daily routines I believe it's also helpful to have weekly routines and then monthly, quarterly, annual routines, whatever those are. So let me share. And I'm doing this just to illustrate. I'm not saying that you should follow my routine. I'm just illustrating my routine so you know what works for me. Maybe this helps you figure out what works for you. But there's several tools I use. And I spend, oh, you know, like on an average 90 minutes in the morning before I see or engage with other people, 90 minutes a day, just doing my morning routines. So that's getting up. And there's several things I'll use, and I actually share a couple of the tools. But it is praying 15 minutes a day. This is something a mentor of mine challenged me to do almost 900 days ago, and I started the journey. And so I just have a journal that I use and start my day with 15 minutes of prayer time. And I set a timer on the phone. That may sound weird to you. And for me, prayer is more about listening than it is presenting a list of requests, but it's just a quiet time. And then I read some devotional reading. For me, that includes passages from the Bible as a Christ follower. It also means reading inspirational text or motivational text, always reading something. Big fan of Audible. I'm always working on two or three audiobooks. And then big fan of Kindle and read books, always reading something. Journaling on a daily basis. And I do something that may be extreme. I'm not encouraging this for everyone, but uh, Jeff Goins, if you know him, challenged me to do this a little over a year ago. I write 500 words a day, every day, and I use uh, a software, Blank Page. So it just takes out everything else, and I'm only looking at this blank page, and I write 500 words a day. Every morning, I use the Calm app, and I meditate for 10 minutes. And that's just a quiet, guided meditation. Oh, uh, And then I do a practice called Lectio Divina, sacred reading. So those are the things I do to get my day started. And I'm not saying you need to do anything like that. Gosh, it depends on season of life. I'm at a season of life as empty nesters. Gwen and I are empty nesters. I can get up early. And I can have that kind of quality, quiet time because there's nobody else in the house. If you're the parent of a young family, young children, five minutes is an amazing time. But just figure out what a daily routine looks like for you. 
To me, what's most important is not what's in the routine, but that it is routine, that you do it with regularity. Now, on a weekly basis, on Sundays, I use my writing time to reflect on the week and just look back and think about the questions. What worked well this week? What would I like to do differently? What were the highlights? And then, you know, monthly, quarterly goal setting or writing your what I call 3D 365, writing out what I want to accomplish in this next year and making that crystal clear for me and just keeping that visible where I can see it. All right. So that's shift four, focused on first things first. Now, why is that a shift? Let me talk about that a moment, because some people know these things are important. But they never focus on them. They just think, oh, I'll do this later. I'll do this when I get time. I'll do this if I have time at the end of the day. I used to do some of that. Well, I don't want to say it never happens. It doesn't happen consistently. So focusing on first thing first, finding out your priorities and your pattern. Make that make that part of your life. All right. So number five, I'm changing this from what I had done originally. This may get a little more philosophical for you, but I believe this is so important. This is such a shift, and it's a shift that's really important for us now. Live in the now in light of eternity. Let me say that again. Live in the now in light of eternity. There is so much emphasis going on in the world today about living in the now. And when you hear some people say this, it's almost as though I agree that now is the only time we have. But now is not an isolated time. So you don't think about now as an isolated event. This moment that we have right now, it is the only moment we have, but it is a slice of eternity. It is connected to everything that came before, and it's connected to what follows. So building on the events of the past, you and I, We are fortunate to live in the time in which we now live, and we are standing on the shoulders of the giants who've gone before us in so many fields. So today matters. I totally agree. What you do today matters, and it matters more than maybe you realize. So what you sow today, S-O-W, what you sow today, you will reap at some tomorrow. And what you reap today are the seeds that you've sown in some yesterday. So I want to encourage you to live wisely, live in the now, but don't buy the line that now is totally disconnected and doesn't have any bearing on what came before and has no relevance to what follows. Now is a slice of eternity. Now, what this might mean for you is to reconcile the hurts and disappointments of the past. If there are things from the past that are casting a shadow over how you seek to live in the now, reconcile those. Accept responsibility. Make amends. Be present to this moment. But be aware that this moment and what you do in this moment is both the soil and the seeds of all that follows in your life. Now, number six, shift six. Wow. When I wrote this list earlier, I did not have this on the list. I had something else. And then I thought, no, I've got to go with this one. This is a shift that I'm still seeking to make. This is a shift I've been working on for the last two years. I'll just unpack it for you. I invite you to consider with me living a more led, less driven life. Let me say that again. More led, less driven. What is the driven life? 
Okay, I know I'm going to possibly offend and alienate some folks, and that's okay. If you are a fan of the hustle and grind and the mantra that if it's to be, it's up to me, and I've got to get up and make it happen, I just want to ask, how's that working out for you? I lived that way for a number of years, and then a couple of years ago, these four words just dropped into my heart one Sunday morning, and it shifted how I've wanted to live since then. I want to live more led, less driven. I am tired of looking at the stats of every blog post I've written. You know, has it gone viral yet? Checking the open rates of your email to see, hey, did this peak? Is it bigger than it was before? You know, are more people responding? You know those things if you are in this business. That's the always on life in the fast lane. And you know where it leads? It leads to a life of anxiety and a life of burnout. So the more led life, what does that look like? Well, it looks like following the flow, finding the rhythms of life and living a life of connectivity, creativity and community, connected, creative and communal life, and having regular seasons of rest. Now, for me, as a person of faith, this means recognizing that the source of creativity seeks to inspire me with creative thoughts and ideas. So that's the being led, living a responsive life. So I'll probably say more about that at some episode, maybe do a whole episode just on the more led, less driven. But that is a significant shift. I wish I could tell you I have totally succeeded in making that. That would be a lie. But it's a shift that I'm seeking to make, to live more led less driven. Now, the final shift that I want to talk about today, and if you remember back at the beginning, I said, you know, I could book in these. Well, it's actually a little more than book in because shift five, shift six, and shift seven are, it's a big bookend on the uh, back end here. Those are all shifts I'm seeking to make now. But this one shift, you know, if you really knew me, if you really knew me, You'd know that the last three years have been an incredibly difficult period in my business and personal life, and that I've dealt with a lot of fear, a lot of scarcity. So the shift that I'm seeking to make is from scarcity to abundance. I'm so excited when I met Juliana Park, found her book, The Abundance Loop, and have found a way to really make this shift more permanent in my life. For years, I was so aware of what I lacked. And I wonder about you. Are you aware of what you lack? And if you're living in the land of lack, here's what I want to say to you. All time spent in the land of lack is hard time. If you're living in this scarcity mentality, there is no easy street in scarcity. There is no easy street there. You're waiting for the other shoe to drop. Going back to that mindset of the first one I talked about, you know, default setting, default response. Anytime something good happens, you're thinking, well, It's about to go away. Something's going to come and take that away. That's scarcity. You can't enjoy the good because you always believe it's about to come to an end. And your first and last thoughts of the day, bookend a scarce mindset. If your first thought of the day, when you wake up, this isn't original to me. It's not original to Brene Brown. I heard Brene Brown say it. I don't remember who she was quoting, but she was quoting some friend of hers. If your first thought of the day is, I didn't get enough sleep last night. 
And then your last thought of the day when your head hits the pillow is, I didn't get enough done today. You are living in scarcity. That bookends your whole life. First thought of the day, last thought of the day are scarcity, thoughts of scarcity. Well, I want to live in the abundance loop, and I want to invite you to join me in the abundance loop. The abundance loop, rather than being aware of what you lack, it's grounded in gratefulness for what you have and seeking to live in abundance, seeking to live a life of gratitude. If you've been listening to the podcast, if you've been in any of my live sessions, any of my Facebook streams lately, you know that I'm asking you to ground it in gratitude. What are you grateful for in this moment? And you always, I always have something to be grateful for. Let me say that again. You always have something. You can always find something to be grateful for. So I want to encourage you to adopt gratitude practices, not just one, not just a quick list in the morning, but find ways throughout your day to incorporate and inculcate gratitude so that you are flourishing in the abundance loop. I can't wait until next week. Juliana Park, if everything goes according to the plan, Juliana Park will be joining me on next week's podcast, and we will be doing a deep dive on her book, The Abundance Loop. I just want to tell you, you want in on that. I assure you of that. So here, there you have it. Seven shifts. These shifts will allow you to live and lead with purpose and live a meaningful life. Shift your default setting. Adopt, cultivate, or develop a growth mindset. Go from being egocentric view of the world to an other-centered view of the world. Focus on first things first. Live in the now in light of eternity. Be more led and less driven and move from scarcity to abundance. Hey, that's what I've got to share with you today. I would love to hear from you, to hear which one of these resonate with you, which one of these you've shifted and what the impact it's made in your life. And if you need help making some of these shifts, reach out to me. You know how to contact me. It's Kevin at higherpurposepodcast.com or you can call me at 678-744-5111. Hey, until we connect again, and and like I say, I hope Juliana Park's with us. If everything goes according to the plan, I'm encouraging you to live, love, and lead with purpose. Thanks so much for joining me today and allowing me to spend this time and invest this time in you and your life. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Higher Purpose Podcast. Are you at a crossroads or facing a transition and not confident about what to do now or next? then you're invited to join Kevin Monroe for a clarity call. Go to kevindmonroe.com slash clarity and enter for a free call or book right away. That's kevindmonroe.com slash clarity.